We are in a brand new series that Don kicked off last week, Pastor Don kicked off last week, called How to Not Ruin Your Family, okay? Now, we want to kind of talk about this in such a way that helps you understand, uh, no matter whether you are a family member of one, okay, or you are a family member of 21, God bless you, um, it doesn't really matter, there are ways in which you can, uh, you can be on a path, if you will, uh, of ruin. That's what we're kind of talking about. You can be on a path that's kind of leading you in the wrong direction for yourself and for your family. And then we do believe, obviously we're a church, we believe that God has given us some instruction. He's given us some guidance. He's given us a way in which we can not ruin our family. You guys with me? Nod your head, yeah? All right. So that's what, we've, that's what the series is about, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, Pastor Don kicked off last week. Uh, don't ignore your marriage. You want to ruin your family? Ignore your, ignore your marriage. We are of deep conviction that this is the foundation for your family, okay? It's not about your kids. I'll say that one more time for everybody in the room. It's not about your kids, okay? It's the foundation of your marriage, of your family is your marriage, okay? And we want you to, to, to do everything you can. Go back and listen to Don's message to not ignore that. Today, I'm talking about this idea of don't, oh wait, go back. Oh wait, are we in the wrong uh, slide? Yeah, don't create confusion. There you go. I don't know what was happening there. You can fix it. All right. Don't create confusion, all right? Get, yeah, that was a great example, Brian. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but you guys can hopefully. Are you on the wrong one? Do you need help? Yeah, someone go back and help Brian. Okay, there we go. Uh, hopefully somebody can click the right spot. But anyway, we don't want to create confusion. Now, I was going to give you a really good example other than that one, right? So my kids, my older two, um, we were just like as all new parents, we wanted to get our kids involved in sports. We wanted to get them involved in group sports. We went to the Y. We're big supporters of our local Y. And we wanted to get them into, okay, into soccer. That's like, a, that's like a gimme sport for most, you know, fourth and fifth, four and five-year-olds, right? And our, sorry, Alex, I know you're a big soccer player. You're a soccer star. But anyway, for, for most parents that want to try it, okay, that's about the age that you start. And our kids, you know, both did it. Now, when I thought about confusion, I remembered this so vividly. Tell me if you remember this or not. Not only was the coach just herding cats the whole time out on the field, but every time we had a little, what is it, timeout or huddle, whatever it is for soccer, right? He would constantly look at the kids, and he would have to say it time and time again. He would look at the kids, and he'd say, okay, guys, what direction are we going, right? And kids would be like, like that, you know, like straight other, you know. And he would constantly have to, like, point, and be like, we're going this way, guys. We're going this way. Anyway, that, that was my, when I thought about it today, I was just like, yeah, there's so much that creates confusion, especially when it comes to the messages we receive in culture when it comes to family, when it comes to our family, okay? And so, do we have that one? Yeah? No, that's fine. That's okay. You got the big screen. There you go. Online, we'll get you uh, hooked up in just a minute. All right. This is the question we're going towards right now. What does success look like for your family, right? What does success look like for your family? Do you have that picture in your mind? Do you have an answer to that question? When I talk to most families, it's not that it's a formal thing. Some people have it, you know, a formal idea, a formal mission statement for their family. That's great. But even, but the most families do struggle a little bit to define it. Like, well, if you, if you know, if at the end of this time when your kids are out of the house, what are you going to look back and go, yes. You know, we, you know everything we, sh we, we wanted, we, we experienced. Everything we shot for, 
we, we, we received it. We got it, right? That's what, that's what I'm talking about in terms of success in your family, all right? Now, the reason that it's important is because, again, we do believe, right, that you cannot look simply to culture to get the answer to this, okay? Our culture constantly sends mixed messages, okay? Just, just a few, like, you know, how many of you heard people talking, well, I don't need a man, I don't need a girl, I don't, you know, you don't need anybody to fulfill you, you don't need all that, and yet the most popular app on your phone is a dating app, okay? So that's what culture, culture will say one thing and do another because they want to create confusion, all right? There's, you know, don't believe anything, don't let anybody gaslight you, you know, into believing something and so on and so on, but if you don't believe this thing that I care about, you're canceled, Right? That's, that's true. And so we cannot necessarily trust or lean into what culture's going to say in terms of how to have the family and to achieve the success that you want. But we do believe God does. We do believe God has something to say about it. So I'm going to break it up and talk about three things. Three things that I believe we get kind of that chaotic, confusing message from our culture we engage in as families, and it leads us on a path away from what God would have for us a path of ruin. Or we can move into a direction and choose today, even just the three things we're going to talk about today, choose to move in a direction that is actually going to not put us on a path to ruin. It's actually going to lead us towards what God would have for our family. So here's the first one. I chose this one for a reason. I'll explain why. But if you want to continue to be on this path of ruin, of how to ruin your family, allow your differences to divide you. Now, this does, by the way, I know we're talking about the idea of one versus married and families, and, but this is important, especially when it comes to when you start sharing and living a life with someone else, not to allow your differences to divide you. You are going to be different people, but don't focus solely on what makes you different or the differences that you have, or, or all that's left is division. If that's all you fix your eyes on, if that's all that's there. Some of the scripture we're going to look at, first one is Luke 11. This is Jesus. He knew their thoughts, people that were, he was talking to. And he said to them, look, any kingdom divided against itself will be, what's the word? Say it out loud. Will be ruined. And a house divided against itself will fall. Okay? Now, Jesus is in context, just to let you know, he's being accused of being demon-possessed. Okay, that was just because he was supernaturally doing things. So he was being accused of being used by the devil. And Jesus, of course, is combating this. But he starts it with, you know, just a, a universal truth. Okay, kingdom kind of divided itself is going to lead to ruin. A house divided against itself is going to fall. You cannot, you cannot allow the differences in who you are and how God brought you together to be the thing that causes division. All right? Here's another great one. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. This is a good one to write down for election season because it applies to both parties. It applies to everyone, right? They'll think you're talking about it for them, right? Fools have no interest in understanding, which means, which means there is going to be no common ground. There's going to be no compromise. It's just going to be my opinion and your opinion and my truth and your truth at war with one another. The reality is if I've had one conversation with the majority of families, the word that comes up often is we're just not on the same page. We're just not on the same page. And that can apply to, to small things. That can apply to huge things, okay? Just a few examples. 
social issues we see differently, technology, financial disciplines, family planning, education, how to discipline kids is a big one, caring for elderly parents, uh, the church, how you feel about church, uh, future retirement. I've even had people fighting over whether they're going to get buried or cremated when they die, okay, in terms of being on the same page, right? A few statements I wrote down was like, well, the children can always and should be always be allowed to sleep in our bed. Yeah, but I don't want them to sleep in our bed. Someone will say, well, I want to be debt-free. I, don't want to, I want us to get out of this, this habit. And then the other one's like, yeah, but it's just one more credit card. We can pay that off if we need to. We can double down. We'll work on that next year. One will say, hey, I don't want them to have a phone. They're, they're too young. And the other one might say, yeah, but, you know, look, this is the world they're growing up in. Everybody else has one. You know, this is, this is the, we got to embrace where they're at. Okay, these are just little things, right? And if you're single, I'll go ahead and just tell you this. If you're single or single again, please don't wait till you're married to try to figure out these things out for yourself, okay? It's not a good idea. Love is not all you need when it comes to going into your marriage and not realizing not only that you are different, but that the differences can, if you let them, cause division in your marriage. They can cause division. If you, if you allow it, the things that you're just not on the same page about can just divide you. And we see many, many people, you know, begin to um, experience divorces and just massive issues in counseling because of it. Now, we believe there's a way, right? There's a way that God has given us to not ruin our family, and that is to unify by values and priorities. This is where it's unique to you. It's unique to your family, right? But there's a way to unify, to come together around priorities that you have and around values that you share. Priorities, this is a great one. This is Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Okay, this is Jesus' words. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This was not a you know, magic a genie lamp kind of thing, like some sort of formula for you to fill. This was Jesus basically saying, look, there, there's a way in which things are done. And when you live in such a way that your priorities express that God comes first in all things. Paul says in Colossians, he has the supremacy in all things, that there's a priority there. And you as a family need to unify around what comes first. Does God come first? Because that will help you answer what comes second and what comes third. And that is how you start to begin this process of unifying around priorities and around values. They can be scriptural values, heart values. They can be who you want to be. They can be the decisions you want to make for your family. Here's a great one. They've got lots of lists in scripture. Here's a good one to start with. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And you can have this values for your family. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We want to honor these things in our family. We want these to be the values of things we, we, we represent as a family, because God comes first. So there's, there's priorities and there's values that you can shape. Now, I will go ahead and say that you don't have to, again, we're not talking about husbands and wives being the same here, okay? This is not, this is not asking you to think the same way or to be the same. That's an impossible task, right? Some of, your, some of your values in terms of maybe how you want to do things with your kids and things may be a little bit different. I'll give a quick example of my wife and I, okay? Now, education is a value, okay? Education's a value. 
This is not something we had to compromise on because, you know, she really wanted education and I really wanted golf. or so, You know, like, a, like this wasn't a compromise of this. This is the fact that both of us value education, but my wife tends to just have a little bit more passion about it, a little bit more zeal. Nod your head if anybody's with me, right? Okay. One of you in the relationship might have that. And so there's common ground because it is a value. We've decided it's a value for our family. But I'm also going to lean in and listen, when she's passionate and when she's expressing concern, I'm going to lean into that because she does have more than I do. Now, I tend to lean a little bit more towards the value of technology, not in an unhealthy way, but in a way that it's actually a tool, a great, incredible tool that can be used in a healthy fashion. My wife, you know, she does really great with technology. It's a slow process. That, like she did some stuff like last year and I was like, you're just, I, I try to cheer her on. You're doing great, babe. You're doing amazing, right? Because she's done some stuff even in our home system that I didn't even figure out how to do yet, right? But, but honestly, if she had her preference, if she had her way, I mean, straight, you know, carrier pigeons and, you know, and like, you know, farm to table, like, like, like honestly, that's okay because she, she sees that. But we also have a value, a common value that technology is important as a tool Our kids need to be raised in a healthy way of that. And so it's a common ground. It's not compromise. It's common ground. And that's okay. That's part of, you know, it's part of marriage. And the best thing about this, this is the reason I started with this, in terms of unifying, right, unifying uh, uh, by values and priorities, is you can make this decision right now. Right now. Now, you may need some counseling. You may be so far off, off page that you need some third party to help you get back to not just letting your differences divide you. But you can make the decision. It doesn't take an act of Congress. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter what, you know, your mother-in-law thinks. You guys with me? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is something you just choose to do. Don read this passage from Joshua uh, last week. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Right? Just make the choice. What's the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land you're living? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's Joshua saying, we have a priority and they align our values and we have simply made the choice that this is how we want to unify, that this is who we're going to serve. And I'm just telling you, this one thing right now, this one thing could change your life. It could change your family's life. It could change the trajectory of where your family's headed if you just make that one change. The second one that I see often in our culture, if you want to continue to be on the path to ruin, how to ruin your family, is continue to compare yourself and your family to others, right? Continue to do that. Guys, this is, in a, this is the situation where social media is not your friend, is not your friend. Okay? Not saying that cultures before social media didn't struggle with this. Not saying our parents and our grandparents didn't struggle with this. But nowhere near the degree as our day and our time because of our social media and the access that we have. Okay? Here's a couple of scriptures that we're using for this. Is James, the brother of Jesus, says, Whenever there is jealousy, okay? envy, jealousy, and selfish ambition... Not about others, but about you. There will always be disorder and evil of every kind. Whenever you find yourself in this comparison trap and you're be, you start making decisions driven out of jealousy, out of envy, out of what you think you desire and what you think you deserve and what's not fair, 
there's going to be chaos. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be problems in your life, in your family's life, and in your marriage. Proverbs 14, I love this passage. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Right? A heart of peace, it gives life to you. But envy, this, this thing, rots the bones. Now, here's what I know. None of you, including me, gets on Instagram in the morning and goes, I just want to be upset today. Who can, who can just, you know, I just I want to be envious. That's what makes me happy, right? I just want to be upset when I, when I compare their highlight reel to my, you know, my morning, you know, look in the mirror. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, like nobody does this. Nobody does this intentionally. But this comparison trap has continued to creep in and creep in to our marriages, to our families. Families are, are right now in debt like crazy. It's why it's important to go through the, the, the um, financial peace class, if that's an issue. Because you're spending money you don't have to try to get the things you think you deserve that you want right now. Right? Uh, according to recent stats, um, uh, it's not number one yet. I thought it was number one, but it's not number one yet. But one of the rising things in terms of what's causing divorce in younger families, we're talking about young, young people, under, I think it was under 30, is because they're not happy. They're not happy. And it's this comparison culture. It's this idea of my family and my life compared to your family and your life that's causing me to be unhappy. I'm not happy like I think I should be happy. They're happy. So why can't I have what they have? And why can't we do what they do? And why can't it be, you know, and, 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 and they find if the source of the division, again, is their spouse, well, they just say, well, let's be done. Let's go find, I will find someone else and be happy. It's so sad. Parents comparing kids, you know, like their reading level and their sports achievements and all the stickers on your car, you know, and all that. Listen, it's become a place where, Parents are living vicariously through their kids, and the kids are wearing the pressure of whether or not they make you look good or make you look bad. Right? Now, and you listen, you're not intentionally doing it, but when you're caught in the comparison trap, there is just no winning. There is no success in that. And I, and I made this small note in my notes just before we go to the, the positive side, but be careful. I'm talking to married couples in the room and online. Be careful what concessions you make for your spouse and, and the stuff that they struggle with in terms of comparison versus the stuff that you struggle with, okay? Be careful what you decide is okay, you know, because she's got her thing with the Pinterest and the cooking and the, you know, and, you know, maybe it's the kitchen, maybe it's vacations, maybe it's the car, you know, he's got some hobbies and some toys and things, you know, and, and, and you're going to give some concessions because she got a little bit of her thing that she felt she needed and wanted, and so he gets a little bit of his thing that he felt he deserved and, you know, worked hard for. Like, just be careful, because that's still the same trap. You're just kind of giving each other a little bit of a pass because you're both falling victim to it. And there's no win in comparison. That's, that's the easiest way to remember that. How to not ruin your family. What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the path here? How to not ruin your family is to find the peace, capital P, and don't keep the pace. Find the peace that God has for you. Don't try to keep the pace, keeping up with the Joneses. 
keeping the pace of where you think you should be at 32 with your children at this age and, you know, happening at certain things and things happening in your life at a certain time. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For you are God's masterpiece. We are. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. Long ago, now this is an individual verse in terms of what Paul is saying, but I believe, you know, in terms of the big picture of the covenant of God, like he brought you two together. He brought your marriage together. I tell people this all the time in premarital counseling, like God has a plan for both of your lives, but if he's bringing you together to bless a union of a covenant marriage, he has a plan for your union. He has a plan for your marriage because the two become one. And that goes with your children. Listen, our children, we are stewards of our children for a very short window of time. They're always going to be your kids, but you, have, you are stewards of their upbringing for a short period of time, and it goes by in a flash. So how do you find peace and not just try to keep the pace when you and your family are a masterpiece of God? You are, you are an art, a work of art for him, that he's doing a work in and has plans for you. This is another great verse that Paul wrote to his young uh, disciple. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Is itself, all by itself, is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. And he says, so if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content." If you have enough, let us be content. You've heard me say it before. That's how we talk about being blessed. Hashtag blessed. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, that's how we talk about God blessing. We don't do the prosperity thing. We talk about the way in which we see scripture. Blessing is enough and plenty. Okay? Because he always has a way in which he's going to provide enough. But even in that, you have plenty to share. Plenty to steward. Plenty to leverage for others. But you have to start with the peace. You have to start with that contentment. I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but do you know how I can, you know, go on Instagram and my little pet peeve is when you take pictures of your toes and the beach. You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I don't unfollow you, but I do snooze you for 30 days. So, you know, I get a little jealous about that. But I'm, I'm just saying like, when you, you know, how can I look at something when you go on vacation and it's better than any vacation I could dream of? How do I look at that and actually celebrate you? Celebrate your family. Say, thank God you're able to do that. I'm so happy you're able to get away. What an amazing blessing it is for you to be able to go and do that. How can I do that if I'm caught in a comparison trap? I can't. I can only do it if I have peace and contentment in my life. That I can truly celebrate your success, truly celebrate your kids, truly celebrate who, you know, where you are in life. And you know what? The same thing goes with leveraging what I have to be generous and steward what I have for others to be successful. That only happens, guys, when you have peace. That only happens when you are truly content. Would you choose to leverage what you have to let someone else experience some success, to let someone else do something that you only wish you could do? You can't do that when you're caught in a comparison of, of, what, of what's mine and what I deserve versus what they have. You're only going to steward God's resources he's given you, that plenty and enough, when you have the contentment and the peace he wants you to have. You can't do that when you're trying to keep pace 
with everyone else. You're just trying to keep pace. You need all the resources for you. This is a big one, guys. This is the way to move, to not move towards that path of ruin, but live out the way what God's called you to live out and experience that success we're talking about in terms of your family. The last one, it's a little bit harder to to walk through, so I just kind of saved it for last. How to ruin your family in terms of staying on this path is to justify, or I would even say just keep justifying your sinful decisions. Now, I want you to understand, when I apply this word, this, nobody sits there, you know, nobody's going to say this morning, I, I can think of the nine sinful decisions I made this morning. You're not thinking that way, but let me just explain. Sinful decisions are anytime you make a choice about what you want to do that you already know is outside of what God wants you to do. Okay? You don't, they, don't, they don't seem, I can't say wrong because society has given those choices and justifications a pass. So you're not going to think they're wrong, but you already know that's not what God wants you to do. So they're sinful decisions that you're making and that you've justified because society says it's fine. It's a pass. And the problem is it breeds hypocrisy. It breeds hypocrisy for your testimony in Christ. It breeds hypocrisy for your family, which is really big when it comes to your family. I don't want you to think immediately of big things, okay? So just, I know this is, again, I had to walk you through it. Don't immediately think of, like, infidelity, pornography, you know, physically harming others, outright theft and fraud. Like, don't immediately think of those kind of, like, sinful decisions, even though those count. I want you to think again of of what you get a pass for in society, what, what really sort of, like, is not as frowned upon, and they would never call it sinful, Lying on your tax returns. I can say that now because you've already filed them, hopefully. Drunkenness. Addictions. There's several addictions that our society gives you a pass on. Selfish ambition where you're constantly putting yourself and your needs first. Premarital sex and intimacy. This is a huge one for adult singles. Okay, adult singles and those who are single again. They're like, you know, this is justified. How about this one? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. These are sinful decisions that we justify. It's not what God wants us to do. It's what we want to do. Here's James, the brother of Jesus, explaining some things for us to help us understand where God sort of wants us to land. He says, I want you to get rid of all moral filth, right? And the evil that is so prevalent. That's just think of the word that society's okay with it. It's prevalent in society. It's justified. And humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. It's the right path. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You have to do what it says. Like, like this is one of those... um, I call it a Christian lie that we all believe, right? Many people believe. There's a Christian lie in churches where if you hear something convicting, if you read something in a book that's convicting, if you hear a scripture or you know, you're hearing in your small group somebody talking about something, that's convicting because it, it kind of flies against a decision that you've made that you've justified. And if you know it's not what God says, but it's what you want, 
And you start to feel, just for a moment, you feel bad, you feel convicted by it. And then in that moment, you're like, oh, man, like the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Mm. And then you just go on. And the reason you just go on with your life is because we have bought the lie that feeling convicted about something is progress. That feeling bad about our sin is actually moving us forward in our spirituality, which, by the way, it's not. Feeling bad about something doesn't mean anything. It just means it's the first step of the Holy Spirit talking to you, and then you did nothing with it. Okay, so you have to understand, this is a Christian lie. So, so he's saying you can't do that. That's, that's going to cause confusion. That's chaos. Here's how he actually said, this is the description he gives of it. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, it sounds like an absurd illustration, yet James is so brilliant under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give us this thing because we all know that none of us, none of us would go to the mirror Okay? And look in that mirror and the zit foreman and the bedhead and the, you know, the, the makeup that didn't come, come all the way off the night before, you know. And, 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 and there are fixable things when you look in the mirror. There's, there's things you see that you go, oh, and that's fixable. But instead you go, oh, all right, let's go. Come on, let's, you know. Okay, so James, James is giving this illustration, and we're going, that's ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. And yet, this is so often the sort of slight undercurrent of our culture that says it's okay to just justify our sinful decisions. Here's a few examples. I know I should probably forgive that family member, but they don't, you, know, you don't understand how bad they hurt me. They're always doing this, and they've never asked forgiveness. And, I, don't, and I'm, I didn't deserve that. And they're always doing things like this. Matter of fact, I think they have something against me. And you go on and on and on and see how quickly we can move back to a place where we have totally forgotten maybe what the Holy Spirit was saying. Here's another prompt by the Spirit. I probably shouldn't go out drinking again. I might seem to see some patterns happening. I don't like what that does. And, but, you know, but maybe I'll just drink at home. You know, it's only a drink or two. It's, it's not, you know, it's not that bad. It's no big deal. It's been a hard week. You know, it's been a really hard week, right? I deserve some downtime. I deserve to just kind of chill out. I take the kids everywhere all the time. They can chill for a couple days. No one's around. It's not hurting. You know, does that make sense? You guys with me? How you could easily forget what you just heard, what you just felt, what the Spirit was just saying to you? This is for, uh, you know, young adults, uh, adult singles, single married again. I know we're not supposed to do that before we're married. I know what God's word says. I know what he says about sex outside of marriage, but we're both adults. Surely that's not, he's not talking to me. He's not talking about us because it's just natural and it's totally understandable. And it's part of the culture and it's part of what's expected. And, ha, you know, for those who are single again, like I've been married before. It's not like it's brand new and I know how to be careful. And it's my body. And, uh, see how you can just get there? Like, you're prompted, you hear the word, you, you get prompted, and then you can walk away. Easily forgotten. That is not the path you want to be on. Causes, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but let me just go to the path, how to not ruin us to live in grace. 
And to live in grace, I have to put the fact that you have to give out grace as well. To be the receiver of grace, this unmerited favor of God in your life, because you are not perfect and you're not going not to not continue to screw up at some point. Like You have to live in that grace, but you also have to give it and extend it to others, especially in your family. This is the path. He goes on, James goes on to say this. Whoever looks intently, okay, intently, meditating on it, like seriously looking into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. That's, this is the word I want you to see. Continues in it, meaning you may not get it right the first time. Okay, you, you may not get it right every time, but you are continually looking at your life in the mirror, right? The mirror into the perfect law of freedom, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed, right? Blessed in what they do. They'll be blessed in that. God does not, God does not bless you with transformation because you were just convicted about something but then walked away and didn't do anything. God blesses us by, in transformation by renewing our mind, by allowing us to make new decisions, by allowing us to confess our sin, by allowing us to stop justifying our, our behavior and stop justifying those decisions and stop trying to explain away the consequences you're now experiencing because of your sinful decisions. We have to embrace and live in that grace. And, and I'm feeling this probably more now because I have older kids, I have teenagers, including my little Charlie, but Listen, kids, kids see this in your life. They see the hypocrisy in the things that you and I are justifying that are sinful decisions. They are not God's way. And they see it. And they see, they see you tell them what you tell them what to do. Well, God says this, and you need to do this. And, you know, it's a whole lot smarter if you just did this. But they can see. They can see where you, where you and I have justified our, our decisions. We've justified that unforgiveness. We've justified that behavior. We've justified, does that make sense? They see it. And hypocrisy, nothing confuses like hypocrisy. We have a whole culture that, that is rightfully turned off by the church because of our blatant hypocrisy as people of God. It's something we have to work on because we don't, we don't, have the, we don't have, know how, really, to fully live in grace. I'm not perfect. I won't make the, same, the right decision every time. I'll confess it when I'm wrong and be able to extend that to others. You know, there's one thing to live in grace and then, you know, you did something wrong. Well, you don't, you don't get grace. We have to live in it and we have to give it out. Just close this down. I want you to have an answer to this question. And I like these words, just clarify the win, okay? Just clarify it. Have the the priorities and values that your family can, like, agree on, can understand and unify around, right? Be careful for you and for what the example is for your kids of living in the comparison trap of our current day and age. You've got to be able to teach what it looks like to be content. Guys, I can't, I can't express how important this is going to be for the next generation. 
to live in and express not the keeping up with the Joneses, not trying to keep the pace with our friends and our close circle, but to be fully, really content, celebrating others, leveraging what we have for others to succeed and being fully content with God's provision for our life. And, again, to live in the grace. When we look at the, the mirror of God's word, the law of, the perfect law of grace and freedom, when we look in that and we see the ugliness of the sin and the things we've justified, don't continue to justify them. Make the changes you need to make. You know, express that. If, if, it's, if it's safe, you can express that to your family age appropriately. And you know what? Dad needs to work on this. Mom needs to work on this. This is something that I'm so thankful for the grace of God in my life that he continues to forgive me. I'm not going to try to justify it or explain away the consequences. I'm going to live in it, I'm going to express it, and extend it to others. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word because your word is what allows us to cut through the confusion of the mixed messages of our culture. God, just to cut through the chaos and to find clarity. Clarity of our purpose, clarity of why we're here, clarity of our families and why they exist and the, and the, and the blessing that, that our families are to us and also what we're called to do with our families. God, I, for all of us, God, we, we can so easily drift towards the path of ruin. And yet, God, we, we need to be intentional. It's intentional to, in, to intentionally meditate, live in, and trust your perfect law of freedom for us to see the changes we want to see in our lives. So God, thank you for your word that brings us that clarity. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us the power and the will to be able to live your way versus just moving, drifting, constantly trying to live our way. I'm so thankful for the families in our church, the families that, that call Journey home, that are visiting God, that are watching online, that are that are wanting to make these changes. God, give them the, your strength to be able to choose today whom they're going to serve and the priorities they're going to put forth in their life and their family. And it's by your name and your grace, Jesus, that we say all this in your name. Amen.